And welcome to another London is Blue podcast, Chelsea Women, as as we always do every, on a weekly basis. Um, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, and um, as always, I've got Jesse here with me to uh, you know keep you keep you guys entertained. But you know what? Today we have a a recurring special guest as we've had before. Mir Eriksson is back on the pod. We put out the bat signal. Because Mr. Nick Verlaney has taken the week off, and uh, rather the day off, I think he's taken the day off. I think he's taken the day off, but he, all he said is, "I'm out for the day." So we said, "No problem." We'll put out the back signal, and uh, Mia came to the call. You know, rose to the call, and uh, here we are. Mia, how are you doing? And Jesse, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Feel honored to be on here again. I must say. You know what? Well, you know, you know how much we love you. So you know what? You, you always have to come back. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, especially good after we're going to touch on it, but um, Arsenal obviously lost earlier today, which um, it really gave me the adrenaline rush because obviously Chelsea haven't played this week, but I literally spent the last half hour watching the game through my fingers because I so desperately wanted Birmingham to hang on for the win. And they did. (laughs) So it's good that I got my heart rate up uh, just as much this weekend, even without Chelsea playing. So just so you know, well, well, Chelsea would do that for us on a on a normal weekly basis. Except Arsenal, Birmingham gave it to us this week. So and you know, gang, that's why we're here. The um, obviously the Chelsea game has been called off. COVID cases once again has hit. You know, affected the league and affected a couple of the games. So you know, it is what it is. But we're here for a special episode where we thought we'd do something different. And um, and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna talk about Chelsea women's top 10 all-time players we've each kind of picked our own favorite you know five and we've kind of compiled a list of 10 and we're just going to go through and talk about our feelings about them and kind of why we think they should be in the order that they're in but what we're also going to talk about is the impact of COVID-19 on the league how that's being affected and it's going to be affect the league for the rest of the season and Arsenal's uh, loss to Birmingham, which Jesse just touched upon, and that kind of puts you know Chelsea back in the title race, and um, you know the league becomes interesting again for the second half of the season. Um, but without further ado, let's talk about the biggest thing that happened, which was the Spurs match got match got called off because of uh, you know COVID. Um, you know, there was a statement that said the decision was agreed between both teams and the FA after a number of positive tests for COVID-19 were returned within the Chelsea FC women's team setup after the latest round of testing combined with a number of players that are unavailable for selection due to injury. So kind of overall, we're not even sure who has COVID, who's injured, who's not injured, kind of all trans are not so transparent it's up in the air. Um, but you know, it's also the fact that G and Sam are both away at the Asian cup. So, you know, we've lost two first team players there and the final of the Asian cup is on the 6th of February. So potentially, uh, we lose those players up until the Arsenal game, which is, uh, on the 13th of February. And that would be a touch and go for them to come back. Um, but yeah, Jesse, what do you think about the whole thing about COVID-19 affecting the league and, and kind of going from there? Yeah, I think. This, you know, this wasn't a unique case. Two other games were also called off in the, in the WSL. I think for me, I've been trying to play detective on Instagram and see which of the team are like are out and about. Like, you know, Carly Telford and Aaron Cuthbert were playing golf today, so they obviously don't have COVID. Um, Frank Herbie looks like she's moving house, so I don't think she has COVID. Um, but it's quite hard to figure out um, 
who might have it. And obviously the club don't release these things for kind of privacy reasons, which is fair. But I guess the thing that concerns me is that kind of wrapped up in the statement was the implication that there are also some injuries. Um, we know Magda kind of went off in that last Wolfsburg game. I don't know if she's still carrying a knock. Um, and also this Asian Cup thing. I've got to be honest, it totally passed me by that this was happening. Um, and then suddenly I was like, oh, Sam's like still on holiday. And I was like, well, you know, we know Sam likes going on holiday, so that's fair. And I was like, oh, but she's not coming back from holiday, which is also strange because um, City had Hayley Russo and Alana Kennedy in, the, in their team today. So obviously different clubs have taken different approaches to, to what they want to do with those players. But um, yeah, so we're going to be missing Sam and G for, for all of January. But fortunately, we've managed to get rid of one of the WSL games. We would have been without them. So I guess that's that's a benefit. But yeah, I'm just kind of hoping that um, everyone's going to come back uh, fit and firing. But it's definitely the injuries, I think, more than the COVID that... Um, raised a bit of a question mark for me. Mia, have you heard anything from the Scandi, Scandi crowd as to what's going on? Is there any Scandi players that are uh, that are COVID positive or injured? No. I, I mean, I saw, if we're going to talk about uh, Spy on Instagram, I saw that <laughs> Magda and Penille also was out today. So I think <laughs> we're good in that department as well. And I think, I mean, I, I think it's good that Chelsea... Um, let G and Sam go straight away because I think, I mean, like looking at City today, I mean, it's obvious they, they need the Australia player um, players. So I think, I mean, Chelsea does don't need G and Sam. And if you know what I mean by that, because looking at the squad depth and, and the attackers that will take place, I think it's, it's a good thing that, yeah, we know this was coming and just go straight into it to get these players into into the play, into tactics and just perform. Because, I mean, also from another result today, I think we need to be on top of the game now from, from the start to just get back on track and and take all the points we can get to just win the league now. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely interesting. I agree with Mia as well. I think it is important both for the for the club and for the players to to be able to have got to go early or or to take the time they wanted before they they went to the tournament. There's obviously been a lot of conversation within the men's game around Afcon and kind of the disrespect that tournament gets and and clubs trying to hold on to players for things like that and. You know, obviously the Women's Asian Cup isn't really talked about in the same way, but is a very similar scenario. And, you know, I, I think it's good to see that, that Chelsea are kind of willing to give those players the time that they need, whether it's with training camp, whether it is is getting to go away. Um, and yeah, I was kind of surprised about City kind of recruiting these players who'd actually been in Australia anyway over Christmas. Um, as Mia says, they, they do kind of need them. But I think it's kind of hard for those players to be thinking about, I believe Australia's training camp's in Dubai, actually. So, you know, but thinking about going from Australia to England and then back to Dubai over the course of like two weeks is, is kind of crazy levels of travel um, before you even head off to India, I believe, where the tournament's being held. Yeah, um, it's in India. So... Yeah, I think it's it's really good for Chelsea to kind of let those players go, but um it will be it will be interesting to see, you know, I do sometimes wonder whether uh especially thinking about uh G in midfield, whether we've got a bit of a uh, too many options in midfield and I think it will be interesting to see over this month whether actually having one of those those players kind of taken away whether that actually makes the way they're 
the tactics are set up a bit a bit clearer. Um, so I think it will be interesting to see see what happens with that. I will also add to this that I think it's going to be very interesting to see what will happen when G and Sam Kerr returns if Chelsea are doing very well uh, during this period. I think that's definitely a conversation that we need to have at the time just to kind of see, you know, what it is that, you know, because I think there's a lot of talk about balance of the team that we've always talked about for a while now. And let, let's see now with the forced, you know, players that have gone away, whether that actually is a thing or is it something that we actually need to, you know, need to talk about. Um, low key though, Sam, if you're in Dubai, just let me know and then I can come and just kind of hang out, you know, I'll show you the place. It's cool. It's kind of home. So We'll figure things out, and I can probably give you the book as well, just just for the sake of giving you the book. So it is what it is. Anyway, moving on from that, kind of the last thing. So obviously, midweek matches are going to continue. We've got to now make up West Ham and Tottenham uh, at some point in the season. But do we think this problem is going to get worse? Is there anything that can be done with this to make it better? Mia, what do you think? And then Jesse will come to you. Well, I think this we're going to have to live with this pandemic uh, hopefully soon, uh, not a pandemic anymore, but I mean, this disease is going to exist and this is what the new football landscape will look like. Uh, just talked to another friend just before coming on here and, and then we just talked about the fact that should coaches even mention COVID-19 as an I can't find a, a better word now, but should they use it as an excuse for losing games? I mean, just straight away when, when being talked to and interviewed. I mean, this is this is the new football landscape. We're, we're going to have to deal, deal with this. Uh, so I think it's a matter of fact who, which team, club, management around the team that will handle this the best um, in this period of time. Uh, and this uh, at this stage of the season yeah I totally agree I mean I think it is ultimately just something that everyone has to deal with I do think it's the WSL feels more complicated to me than when we think maybe about the Premier League about it just because the level of disparity between the squads it's like for a team like Birmingham to lose a handful of players with COVID cases is so different compared to if Chelsea lose some and I do think that that makes me feel like a bit uncomfortable um, because we're actually just talking even about bodies, not even about quality of players. Um, but that being said, you know, I do kind of feel like ultimately it's it's really no different to an injury. And we accept that like injury crises can happen. Sometimes they affect clubs worse, worse than others. You know, I'm sure if you're a Man City fan, you're sitting there thinking, okay, but what would we look like this season if we hadn't had Lucy Braun, Steph Horton, Nelly Roebuck out and Chloe Kelly for like six months, you know? And and that's that's totally fair in some ways. I personally don't necessarily think you'd be doing a huge amount better, but I can see what where you'd be coming from. But we don't really, you know, change the league. Like th- that is one of the elements of football. And, you know, I think me are right around, you know, whether it becomes an excuse. Injuries obviously get used as an excuse too, but I think some it's just kind of something we've got to roll with. And and if it does mean that the teams then don't have enough players, they don't have enough players, and the games have to be called off. Um, we're kind of fortunate, I think. The WSL look, it's only got twelve teams. Like we don't have the same issues of fixture congestions which you might get with a bigger league, um, which we're kind of lucky with. So I just think it, it's kind of one of those things that we're going to have to roll through, and it is what it is, really. Yeah, and also I think it's going to be interesting after this season to see how it will affect the other leagues as well. 
I mean, in terms of, you know, the topic on how many percentage of the players and staff that are vaccinated and, and who's not. And if it's if it follows, I mean, what, what we can see outside football uh, with vaccinated people or, or not vaccinated. So, I mean... I mean, obviously, I'm in Sweden. So from here, it, it kind of looked like that the WSL and the UK is especially, you know, affected at the moment. But I mean, as we all know, it, it could move just be that the other leagues and countries are behind. Or is it because of the fact that, that those leagues and, and players are vaccinated? I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to follow this. So. That's two very, very good points. I don't think I can add anything to that that you guys haven't already said. But what we're going to do is going to talk about everybody's favorite topic and the fact that Arsenal lost to Birmingham today. I think we can all be pretty happy about that. Title race is firmly back in. It's it's one of those seasons we're going to twist and turns are forever going to be there. So Arsenal, if you didn't know, lost to Birmingham 2-0 today. Are probably the biggest upset in the WSL in kind of like forever. The bottom team comprehensively beating the top team and to a point where everyone just thought it was hopeless for Birmingham and then they turn out this sort of performance, which I don't think anybody expected. Um, and yeah, like we said, it puts the title race right back into our hands and if we win all our games, we win the title. Simple as that, right? Guys, one plus one equals two. That's kind of where we're at. So um, Just you know, got to win Jesse, all those games. <laughs> I know. It's straightforward but uh jesse what do you think of uh what do you think of uh of that what's your what's your first impressions yeah i mean it, it was a fantastic game and it was great because you know i think we've seen some upsets this season uh i'm thinking tottenham west ham being city but some of those games like came with a little asterisk over them whereas this was just you know really maybe not a full strength arsenal but a very strong arsenal side just being absolutely comprehensively outplayed by Birmingham, um, there was really no... It's easy to say in hindsight, but obviously while I was watching, I was nervous Arsenal score. You know they can pull these kind of like ridiculous goals out of the bag. It's one of the things that always really annoys me. They'll play like shit, and then Katie McCabe will do something ridiculous, and you're like, this is just not fair. Um, but Arsenal never really looked like they were going to score once, let alone twice. Um, and yeah, it's... It's really exciting because I think I think lots of us as Chelsea fans felt like the loss to Reading was just kind of such an own goal on our part after after winning the FA Cup and looking in such a great position. Um and kind of let that opportunity slip through our fingers and we've been lucky enough to kind of have everything handed handed back to us and, and give us the impetus. I just yeah, I just hope we don't have any more fuck ups to come. Um, but I think also what it will have sent a message to, and I think this had already started to come through. I think when Tottenham drew with Arsenal, we saw the same thing. But you know, Arsenal started so hot. But I think this will just show to teams that you can really get at this side. And I think this is true for Chelsea as well with the Reading win. Um, but you know, Arsenal were just so comprehensively out outplayed, like way more than Reading didn't really outplay. Chelsea like they they scored a good goal and and that was kind of it whereas there were large portions of this game where Birmingham just felt especially in the first half like totally in control so and it's exciting because I was like kind of ready slash worried that we were just gonna watch like the league like drift on Arsenal would just stay ahead Chelsea would just kind of stay the same gap behind and that would be it but it's fun like that there's 
there's points to be dropped, there's points to be won, and, you know, the title's kind of still up for for anyone, if anyone is, is Chelsea and Arsenal, uh, to win. Yeah, before before I give it to you, Mia, I just I want to say, like, to me, the season now, I think as of this result, feels like any team shouldn't be worried about the top three, four teams anymore. Like, every top, Chelsea, Arsenal, City, United, Everton, all of these teams have shown a propensity for losing comprehensively at some point in the season or through, you know, you know, just whether it's luck or whatever. But I think teams have shown a way that they can lose. So, you know, for teams fighting for that third and fourth position, I think for them, it's like, you know, if you're United or if everything can get their sums to get back together at some point, um, they can fight for that third, fourth place. And I think it, Man City had a big win today, obviously against Brighton as well. They they kind of um, they kind of went all out on them, you know, a good six six goal six seven goal win. Um, but for me, that you know, I think I think I'm not saying City are going to come near the top two, but I think for them now, it, for them it also gives them a little bit of confidence, saying, you know, if we can if we can get ourselves together, pick up a couple of signings in the, in January window, maybe we can back get back up to that top four position and kind of throw some respectability to our to our season. And I think other teams for survival and things like that, you know, they shouldn't be worried. And I think that bodes well for the league overall. But um, I think there are still more points to be dropped between those top two and Arsenal and Chelsea the, re- the going rest of the season. And kind of looking at, you know, the, you know, Sophie Lawson's tweet, you know, like the FA Cup just kind of gave both teams, Arsenal and Chelsea, mixed fortunes from, you know, Chelsea winning 3-0, drawing Juventus, losing to Reading, and then losing to Wolfsburg, whereas then Arsenal went lost to Barcelona, beat Leicester, lost to Hoffenheim, and then lost to Birmingham. So you, you're you looking at those results going, the FA Cup is, the FA Cup magic has actually kind of gone overboard and spilled into the next month or so. But yeah, Mia, what was your reaction to, to, to Arsenal's loss to Birmingham and what do you think it means for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, this is it that with what we saw from Arsenal today, we have seen in times during small periods of times during games as we have seen with Chelsea whatever Chelsea has been struggling with struggling with we have seen it small periods of time during games what we're seeing now is that both teams like Chelsea and Arsenal can actually struggle for a whole game with with these problems now so I think it's I mean it it's a surprise but yet not I mean, looking at at the game today that they played, um, so I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where Arsenal go from here. But also, I would like to just um, put in a small reminder here that last season Manchester United was top of the league uh, before it re- reversed. So I mean, could happen again with with the team that's on top of it now. So I mean, you never know. Potentially, you never know. Mia did a big tweet today. Mia, you should uh, say say your tweet. You were very firm in your declaration that it's not over till it's over. Yeah, I mean, the WSL title is not won until the season is over. I mean, it, it's. I, I think this is what we we are seeing now, and people also saying that the WSL is the most competitive league in in the world. Well, here we are. So it's an advocate for it, right? I mean, yeah. the fact that 
Birmingham won and Reading has won. And it's competitive in that sense where it's almost like anybody can be anybody. You know, I think that's what I think that's that's the kind of the, the magic, uh, as we can call that cliche. But kind of the last thing, what do we think the Chelsea players are going to be feeling in that dressing room right now, rather at home, you know, looking at these this result going, all right, you know, is their confidence coming back? Are they now kind of more into the thing going, okay, we can actually have a realistic chance of winning the league again rather than before where they would kind of have to wait and see. Now everything is back in their hands. Um, Mia, I'm going to throw it back to you again. What do you think the Chelsea players are going to feel? I mean, I'm going to... I think they don't feel anything about it because I think you, as a pro football player, you just know that you have to focus on your own game and your own, like this is what we are facing right here and right now. Because I think it's what what happens if you think too much or let what happens around you affect what you're going to do. I don't think that's the way to go here because I think we've seen enough of it. Like, like, like you should just focus on, on your own game and what you are going to do and what Chelsea is going to do about the fact that they... They struggled before the break. They need to return in full force, uh, and they can do that. So I'm, I'm, I, I think that that's what they are thinking at the moment. I like that answer, Jesse. Yeah, I'm with uh, Mia here. I think it's also a very Emma Hayes answer. You know, <laughs> you can only win the games that you could win, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No point looking at anyone else. Um, but I do wonder if it will just be. Look, I don't know how much the players pay attention to this, but on the underlying numbers on the XG per ninety, uh, Chelsea are by far and away the best. Have been the best team in the league this season. In fact, they've been the best Chelsea ever. It's a better expected goal difference per ninety than the Chelsea have ever kind of put up in the league. And I just hope that the players see this for what it is as as an opportunity to kind of show that what those underlying numbers are saying in the second half of the season because. You just wouldn't know it from from the way the games have gone, from the way we played in this first half, that that we are being quite as dominant in games as as actually what the stats suggest. And you know, like uh, football isn't one on an Excel spreadsheet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and that the first half of the kind of season has shown that. You know, you can dominate all you want, but if you don't make it count, it won't count. And I just hope they they use this as kind of momentum to 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 show that in the second half of the season. Which is fair, which is fair. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go on to what we've all been waiting for, top 10 Chelsea win players of all time. And I can safely tell you that we have done very scientific ways of deciding this list. Unbelievable depth has gone into this. The discussions have been intense. Um, Jesse, algorithms. You the <laughs> algorithms, you know, we, we, we went scientific detail you know, we, we just, we went all out. We went all out. Jesse, do you want to go through the honorable mentions before we get onto the main list? Yeah, um, this is going to be a teaser because you're going to hear three players who didn't make the main list. Um, but I just kind of thought there were a couple that we, we should throw in who weren't in the top 10. Um, one player, okay, that she would never get near the top 10 because she just didn't play enough for us, but who I have to say is like one of the my favourite players I've ever watched play for us is uh, Crystal Dunn. She only played 15 times for us. It's a travesty. At the time when she was at Chelsea, I'd like I didn't follow any football women's football from the other bits of the world. So I had no real idea about like 
Americans and how good American footballers could be. And it kind of was like watching a woman amongst girls um, at points. And yeah, I, I, I wish she'd be able to stay. She basically, like, it just didn't work with the national team, you know. Uh, the US national team have got a lot better I think about allowing their players to be abroad but at the time it was basically like if you're not in America you're not getting selected so so she went back um, but yeah I, I feel like she would have been an absolute legend if she had been able to stay um, and two other honourable mentions AKB and Katrin Berger um, she probably did deserve to maybe be in the top 10 um, but again I think it's hard when you've kind of got a player still at the club we do have players still at the club in the top 10 but you know, 36 clean sheets and 68 appearances, um, a super, probably the most talented goalkeeper we've ever had. But I think maybe we just need to take a step back before we really appreciate that. Um, and one other, Drew Spence, uh, our record appearance holder, 223 appearances, um, 13th anniversary of her debut this week. Uh, she has won 11 trophies in her time at the club. Um, she is the literal OG. Uh, yeah, again, she's been like such a solid player, but maybe without the kind of like, exceptional quality that would have propelled her into the top 10 but it would have been ridiculous to not to not mention her at all so there we go they're my three honorable mentions yeah just in terms of longevity I mean that's just insane you kind of always need that one player who's just gonna just hang around do their thing and then just kind of when you need them call them up and and kind of go from there. But She's been at Chelsea the for longer list, than the WSL existed. So. <laughs> there you go. Even that's 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 all you need to know about is the one Drew Spence. And like we always say, when you see Drew Spence come on the field, the game is shut. That's it. <laughs> we no more fun is being had on the pitch. So we take it from there. But listen, before we go into the main list, you guys are going to take a quick ad break. Um, but just a couple of reminders. Look, we're covering the team every week. We're going to have some some more announcements very very soon. Hopefully, it'll be everything we good. Go on and rate and review us on, on Apple Podcasts and even Spotify now and, you know, shout out the women's team, content that's being done here. Hope you like it. Let us know what you think and what you'd like to see more of. And obviously join the amazing, amazing Patreon community. Obviously, there's a great, uh, you know, uh, Chelsea FC women community out there. A lot of discussions in depth and, you know, discussions on the games and players and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, you know, take your time and, and get ahead over there. So we'll just be, we'll be right back. And we're back. All right. The time, the moment you've all been waiting for. Um, so how are we going to do this scientific method is we've come up with the 10 players and the algorithm is too complicated to explain. So we're just going to let the talking <laughs> do the magic. And we've kind of split the players between the three of us. We've each taken three and then we will reveal our number one and kind of all talk about that. But starting with number 10, Mia, take it away. It's your first player. At number 10, we find, I'm going to say this in Swedish now, I love this, uh, Hedvig Lindahl. <laughs> yeah, we can you that. say after me now? Can, can, we, can we learn this? <laughs> can I say it one more Hedvig, time? <laughs> Hedvig Lindahl. Yeah, very good. Yes. I, I will settle for that. I think she will too. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think she is a, a legend of her own in the game as as in whole, not just in Chelsea, but I mean, in Chelsea, she actually kept 33 clean sheets in 78 games. And that, that's not too bad. Uh, joining Chelsea in the same transfer window as Millie Bright. And I think she has been a total asset to the women's game in as a whole. I mean, looking at what she has accomplished 
um, I'm I'm pretty proud of her being a Swede and still playing uh, at this level. So, yeah, the algorithms has uh, have spoken. Yeah, I think this is one where obviously, like AKB is is we probably would accept is is maybe the better goalkeeper. Um, but I just feel like for me as well. I think there's a couple of players on this list who really represent like the growth of of the club and the women's side and signing Hedvig was one of those those players where I it really felt like we were taking the next step like bringing in some of these kind of original international players and I think you know kind of Mia's touched on it but she is just such an amazing asset to have around your club like the like her, her just a smile like is is so amazing and it, and it always felt like she was really you know kind of um part of like the Chelsea community and and I really love that about having her here um and I'll never forget taking my sister to her first Chelsea women's game and uh my sister deciding that she, she would really enjoy it because uh she liked that Hedwig's name sounded like Hedwig from Harry Potter so there we go there's that as well <laughs> Oh, what an amazing story to to go with the legend that is Hedvig Lendal. Um, so at number nine, we've got the one and only Marin Mielda. Um, I mean, what a player! I think we've all kind of it's it's weird, and I think I think we've all appreciated Marin Mielda for what she's done on the side and in being so versatile, being this leader at the back, whether she played at defensive midfield, whether she played in at right back after Hannah Blundell's injury. Um, in the last couple of seasons, but I think there's almost been this more appreciation of of uh, Mielda ever since she got her own uh, own long term injury, and I think you know everyone's been keen to see her back. We've seen a few glimpses here and there already this season, but I mean that that goal, that iconic goal against PSG in the Champions League, just means that she's written the Chelsea folklore and history forever and ever ever. I mean that's just a moment to to kind of cherish and. You know, I think she's one of those players now that you just kind of look at and go, right, she's one of the leaders of the side and you kind of need her in the, in the team. And I think Chelsea historically as a club, and I'm talking about the men and women's team together now for a second, then that the team has always built their history on key strong personalities in the group, right? Whether you think of Terry, Czech, Lampard, Drogba, etc. In the women's side, you see Eriksen, Mielda, uh, Lindahl, you, you, you know, uh, uh, harder now, and and all you know, all these players, even Kirby, you think of strong personalities across the board, and I think Miel has just become one of those players, and for me, I think that just cements her into the you know to the top ten list, and that's why for me, I think she's at number nine. Um, at number eight, Jesse thinks one of Nick's favorite players. I think he'd 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 have her higher up the list, but you know what? We've settled for eight here. Yeah, number eight, we've gone with Millie Bright. Um, just what a player. Uh, the brick wall of Chelsea's defence, you know, one half of, of kind of the partnership with with Magda Eriksson. And I think just a player who, I mean, for me, this is probably my Chelsea bias, but I think still gets underrated in terms of her defensive qualities um, across English media as a whole. I think... She is definitely someone who has a mistake in her. Um, and I think sometimes that her ability to kind of 
do something silly maybe leads people to think she is accident prone but really they've become like fewer and further between in her time at Chelsea and it's been really amazing I think to see her step up into kind of leadership role as being vice captain um and I just love her and I think this is why Nick loves her too like the the no nonsense defending like she just genuinely feels like a brick wall she'll head or kick or just get the ball away when it, it comes into the penalty area um, and I also just really enjoy uh, her kind of wonder goals. You know, she she used to play further forward. There's a great um, stat where I think she scored like more goals than Beth England when they were both at Donny Bell's together in the, in the championship. Um, but yeah, the the goal that kind of stands out is is the one in the Community Shield um, uh, last season when we were playing City, and she just absolutely levered it in a Wembley, empty Wembley, sadly. But that was a great goal. But there's a there's another one which I, I haven't written down. I actually can't remember who it, who it was against, but where she like lumped the ball over the top and then basically ran onto like the pass that came back and just finished like an actual striker. And I was like, this is the most bizarre thing. One I've never seen Millie Bright run that far or that fast, and she's just finished like she was like meant to be there. Um, but yeah, just a just a fantastic player and asset to the club. So she is at number eight. And then at number seven, um, I think this is a player who, if we do this in a year or two years' time, will be much higher up the list. But um, at number seven, we've got Sammy. Um, Sam Kerr, 45 goals in 62 appearances, best goals per 90 ratio of any player in, our, in, in any of our top 10 all-time scorers. Um, and... Look, she's she's not been at the club for for a huge amount of time, but I think her impact has been extraordinary. I think there's look, there's there's always something very satisfying when you feel like you've genuinely got the best player in the world at your club, and I I feel like right now we do have the best player in the world at our club because I do think it is Sam Kerr. Um, she's just scored goals in every single frigging competition we've played in. Um, you know, the goals in the FA Cup against Arsenal obviously, like, really spring to mind recently. There was a hat-trick to kind of win the Continental Cup. Okay, it wasn't against, like, tough opposition, but still. Um, winning the Golden Boot, um, pushing Miedemar off her perch there, that was, like, incredibly satisfying as well. Um, and I just hope she carries on scoring goals, 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 because it, it's great to watch. And, yeah, as I say, I think... Um, by the time she moves on from Chelsea, whenever that might be, uh, she'll she'll have finished a lot higher up this this top ten than she is right now. Right, I mean, couldn't agree more. Um, at number six, we have another defender who I think has been amazing. But Mia, I think you're a better place to wax lyrical about this player. So please take it away. Yeah, we're gonna say her name in Swedish as well, Magdalena Eriksson. Do no, we have to no try and do that to too? <laughs> yeah, of course. Magdalena Eriksson. Yeah, we're very good actually. That's that's maybe there's... I should learn Swedish. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I've seen Magda play play football for many years now, even before in Chelsea. And I think even in England, I think it's it's kind of amazing that a foreign player is a captain of such a brand and such a club as Chelsea. So, I mean, we, we've seen it across the seasons been played, how important she is for that Chelsea backline, but, but not for the backline and, and Chelsea defending, but also for the whole team. 
uh, as a true leader. And I think that's what kind of marks her as a player, that, that she re really is a leader. She likes structure. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I think just being a captain for a club like, like Chelsea, I mean, I feel myself getting a bit of goosebumps uh, across my on my arms for for just saying that we we actually have a, a Swedish player that is is a captain in in Chelsea FC. Uh, I mean, and we have to mention this Liverpool overhead kick goal as well. Like, <laughs> I mean, a, a centre back, a defender, just looking like she's a yoga. <laughs> instructor <laughs> or something i mean i remember so, someone tweeted something about that goal that it looked like she just stood at on a visa card like put a visa card under her shoe where she because she she had one feet uh, on the ground for a very long time before scoring that goal and i think we're going to remember that goal for many years ahead but i think what what magdalena will be remembered most for is is the lead leadership and i can definitely see her coach a chelsea youth team or something in in the future hazer said sure she's going to coach the yeah. chelsea team so i i would absolutely love that like i would love it so so much if magda became a manager in the future that would yeah, be amazing and nice to have a former player do that but yeah we're down to six down well down the list of six players, we're now on to number five. Me, I think this is one from the algorithm that I think came to your name. So do you want to take this one away as well? Yeah, another big role model and another captain, Katie Chapman. Um, I mean, she was the captain for the first ever FA Cup win. Uh, and it, it's kind of amazing that she lifted the trophy for a cent time with Chelsea in 2018. Uh, just looked at some lists before getting into this as well, and, and she is on the top 10 list for most assists uh, in Chelsea as well over the years. So I think that's, that's kind of amazing as well. Um, and I mean, obviously all these leaders in this team, but I mean, leading a club through... A lot of silverware. I, I think that's it has to be mentioned. A, pl a play like that has to be mentioned. Um, and uh, I mean, she is. I mean, a player that that you saw a lot when you watched started to watch Chelsea. So for me, she is. I mean, she she is Chelsea in many ways, uh, and I think that's kind of amazing because from Sweden watching. English football, that's just someone and, and a player you could really see and, and mention as role model right now. Uh, and yeah, I, I think she is also a legend. And we can say that because she's not with us anymore as a player. That made it sound like she was dead. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I feel like <laughs> she is still with us, yeah. but she doesn't play for us anymore. <laughs> that was my Swedish, you know, uh, just uh, translating to English what I was thinking. It sounded so bad. <laughs> Rest in peace, <laughs> not. It's not that bad. 
I just want to clarify for everyone. Just, she hasn't passed away, thankfully. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. We're not breaking any news here. Oh, God. All right. At number four, we have the one and only Karen Carney, who has been, I think, a player that we can all say has been, while well, she only had a, a short time at Chelsea, I say short time, she had about three years at the club, but, you know, in comparison where... I think she really cemented herself as, as again, I'm going to use I'm going to use the same term, I think a legend of the game and a legend of, of Chelsea as well when, you know, she had a pretty, fa- you know, pretty fabled career. She, you know, she started off at Birmingham. She played there for a year. She went to Arsenal for a few years. Um, then she went and actually joined Emma Hayes at the Chicago Red Stars in 2009 and 10. She played there for a season. So that was kind of the first time um, Emma had a look at Karen and kind of used her in, 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 in a team and kind of understood her qualities. So, um, you know, I think I think at that point she must have known that, listen, I need this player back wherever I go next, you know, into management. And obviously uh, Karen comes back to the UK to play for Birmingham in 2011. She plays there till 2015. And then just when Emma Hayes found the opportunity to sign her up again, she went, you know what, I'm taking her, I'm taking her to Chelsea. And I think... At, at Chelsea, she really did become one of those players that was so reliable in midfield, played really, really well, um, and just kind of just became that player that you could just call up and just had heart, ethic, work, you know, really intelligent. So, you know, you, you kind of have to put her up there as one of one of the greats of, of, of Chelsea. Um, and number three, uh, we actually have another uh, foreign import that, you know, but this time from the Asian part of the world, uh, Ji So Yun, uh, I think for us is at number three with the algorithm has spit out. I mean, listen, two hundred appearances, sixty six goals, forty three assists. I mean, those are some crazy, crazy numbers in the game. And you know, for for a creative midfielder to be able to, I mean, the forty three assists for a creative midfielder in some way, shape, or form, you can be like, all right, I can I can expect that high numbers, but you know what? Fair enough. But sixty six goals to go along with that, and I think that is that is an insane return. Uh, all together, I mean that's that's a hundred plus goals, goal contributions in two hundred games, which is insane to think about. Um, and it was probably one of the big first international signings for the club. I think Emma Hayes really pushed for this, pushed for her to come to the club, and um, she's kind of at different times you know, for her tenure said, "Listen, she's probably one of her favorite players in the squad. Has been reliable, and when when she's on her game, just probably one of the best players, if not the best player in the league." So for me, has to be in this top top 10 list and definitely ends up at number three. But Jesse, who, who do we have at number two? Yeah, number two, we've got um, Enya Luko, who's someone I actually really associate with, with Jiso Yun, really, because I think, you know, that first ever FA Cup final win in 2015, both of those players were so influential uh, in that game. Um, so I often kind of pair them together. Um, but yeah, any 68 goals and 158 appearances. Um, our second highest all-time scorer, Fran, obviously overtook her uh, last year in that game against Benfica. Um, or two years ago now, I guess. But, you know, any is someone who I think uh, has had a controversial career on and off the pitch. I think, you know, she obviously went through a lot with the England setup when she was at Chelsea and it always made me really proud the way she talked about how the club and the players there supported her through what was a, a, a very difficult time um you know I think now she's kind of one of those players who who maybe we look at differently there's maybe a sense of uh you should never meet your heroes sometimes with any Aluko but um 
like look when when she was playing the the way she scored goals um her movement uh her ability to kind of run onto balls and make something happen was was just exceptional and you know she she did so much for the club and and she scored so much and she really i think you know it it's funny when the Chelsea men's team there's often this talk right about the kind of curse of the number 9 shirt and how really you know since since Didier, we've we've never really had like a, a long term standout striker, and I feel like any almost set the tone in the opposite direction. Whereas it feels like we've been really lucky to always have these incredibly exciting, great goal scoring um, number nines. Whether it was Beth or I guess you know, kind of now you'd see Sam in that role, but really felt like um, any always set the expectation at the club that that Chelsea would go out and score and score a lot and score well. Um, and yeah, I think you know she what she came out and said uh and what she talked about and her experiences with England really changed I think the um the landscape of women's football in this country and and that was incredibly important you know and and I think um you know this top 10 list is a is a celebration of, of footballing ability obviously but it's it's kind of impossible to take that away from her character as well and you know it's it's something that I've always like really respected about her couldn't have said that better myself. Um, absolutely amazing. But here is the moment now we're going to come down to. And I think most people at this point are going to be able to guess who is at number one, kind of just because we haven't even. There's a player missing, isn't there? There's a player <laughs> missing, isn't there? You know? <laughs> and you kind of alluded to it, Jesse, in your, in your, in your rave for Enya Luko just now. But it's Frank Kirby. Um, you know, I think we're all going to give a a minute to talk about this, but um, Mia, what are your thoughts on Fran Kirby and, and, and just kind of overall her as a player? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for, like like you said, was someone missing on the list? I mean, that that what, what's been most discussed uh, this last year, a few months now, I mean, there's, there's a player missing on most lists and that's Fran Kirby. I think she I mean if you could you could say someone is so I think that's the only player I would really miss in in the lineup all the time right now if she isn't there you know she is that type of player um you you want so much for her like she yeah so something in, at least inside of me when I see her play ball now uh, as well after these periods of struggling she has been through as well uh, you just want everything for her and I think she's giving everything back to, to Chelsea and to the fans by the way she, she plays football right now and I mean there's no words to describe a player like Frank Kirby but I so hope as well that England as a nation and country will will get to see the best of her. Not to... I mean, obviously, I'm Swedish and I want Sweden to win the Euros, but <laughs> but like... like Guys, you heard just, it here first. Mia Eriksson is drinking yeah. Sweden for the Euros. <laughs> yeah, I do that. Damn it. I won't do it. No, but, but I mean... It, she deserves to play on a stage like that and really shine. Um, so that's what I, I as a Chelsea fan, I, I wait for that as well. 
amazing. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Like I think that is the the piece of the puzzle really that that's missing for Fran that opportunity to to really go and and kind of show the world how fantastic a player she is, you know, even though I think everyone in in England knows it, you know, anyone who watches WSL regularly recognizes that and it is like the incredible she she's had an amazing story obviously um but even beyond that i think everyone everyone understands how impressive her story's been but just her her footballing talent you only need to listen to the way other players talk about what it's like to play with frank kirby to understand what an incredible player she is you know sam regularly references her as as the kind of the best player in the world and i think she is just someone who has has always known how to light up a game. You know, I think about watching her when she played for Reading and the the goals she scored. And, you know, there's there's a very famous uh, game where she played, they beat Arsenal in the Continental Cup, which at the time was a, a massive upset. And Fran just stole the show. And I feel like in in almost every game she plays for Chelsea, she steals the show. It's, you can't take her, your eye off her. She's always creating. There's no one, I think, who works harder on the pitch. She's... She's always hard on herself and hard on the players around her, always asking more. And, you know, the the range and creativity of goals she can score and, and things that she can do is is just absolutely um, astounding. And, and she's such a joy to watch. And I'm, I'm so happy for her to have seen, like, the level of success she has managed since coming back from her illness. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't think I could... Like, listen, when we signed her, it it really felt like a, oh, wow, we're like a destination club to sign the most exciting English prospect for her to want to come and play for us. And I feel like her, what's always makes me happy is it feels like her joy of playing for the club has never like faded in all the years that she's she's been here. I always feel like she, she loves playing for Chelsea and she kind of relishes that opportunity. And, and as a fan, there's, there's nothing you want more than that, right? I mean... What more can I add from there? But no, I I absolutely agree. I think I think the only thing I can say is, especially after the the whole illness and and, and her comeback from there, I don't think anybody expected it to be this big of a turnaround. I mean, the amount of goals and uh, the goals she scored, the way she played, the and and not even that, just the influence she had over this team is unbelievable. I think when she signed that contract extension until twenty twenty three, the hype that everybody was like, yes, you know, the best player in the side is now is staying on for a couple of more seasons. Um, and it just kind of gives you this this hope. And we've seen so time and time again, Fran Kirby live up to be this this fantastic match winner for, for the team. And, you know, in some weird way, it almost feels like she just doesn't get tired. She just plays and plays and plays and plays. And and, and she never she never gives up. You don't see her not trying. And, you know, for me, that, that goal against Bayern Munich in the semifinal still stands out as you know, one of the best goals just because of how important it was in, in the history of Chelsea and how they, you know, reached that Champions League final for the first time. It was just fitting that it was Fran Kirby to have scored that goal. And, you know, there were so many moments like that and you guys have talked about and and that you think about with Kirby that, you know, in a, in a few years' time, we're going to be looking back and, and thinking about, you know what, the all-time great this is the player that you know that 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 defines Chelsea in a nutshell, and you know, and the player that you know everybody would want to, you know, would want to play around and play with. So, I mean, the more you know, the, the more words that are said are not enough about Frank Kirby. But that kind of rounds up our top ten. I mean, I hope you guys, you know, agreed with mo- you know all the picks. 
you know, if there's if there's someone you think that we've you know really missed, leave it out in the comments on Twitter. Probably gonna see what happens. But so kind of this is what our schedule looks like for the next um, few weeks. Obviously, the game against Spurs has been called off. So the next time you know Chelsea are in WSL action, it's against Everton on Sunday, the 16th of January, uh, away from home. You know the the Jean Luc for services Emma Hay. So let's see how that goes. It goes up. Then we've got the FA Cup quarterfinal against West Ham on the 19th, three days later. Exciting times. Maybe we can win the FA Cup again for this season. Um, then we've got Brighton at home, who just got absolutely smashed. So, you know, maybe there's, an, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a chance over there. Then we've got the FA Women's Cup, which is against Aston Villa on the 29th. And then um, the big game against Manchester City, though I don't know if it's still a big game anymore considering the way they've been playing this season. Do we do we still call this? I think we call this a big game, but that's a, a home clash. Um, it's a home clash on the 6th of February, which is, you know what, looking at this, we've not going to be playing at home for the next, for the whole month of January. So that's uh, that's going to be fun. And then we return for that home clash against Man City. But what do you guys think of the schedule? Anything stand out to you two? Yeah, I think it's it's just like you said, it's it's a lot of games away, but um and I think it, it's tricky in some ways that all games that are gonna throw up that that their own problems. I think all of these teams who um they're not walk, walks in the park, but I think in some ways, um, having had this week off might be a little bit of an advantage because it was looking like a very jam packed uh, jam packed jam packed January. Uh, not a jam-packed January, although that sounds delicious, to be fair. Um, but, it should be the um, episode title. <laughs> but so, yeah, just the four games in jam now before, yeah, the, the Man City game at home and the Arsenal game at home. So let's hope we pick up some good form and, and can go into those games feeling confident. Mia? Yeah, I was kind of bummed that the this Friday game was postponed, but I mean... I had really been looking forward to to see them play Tottenham, uh, but I think I think as as a Chelsea fan right now, I feel kind of lucky. I, I hope to God that I will not regret saying this, but I mean, obviously Everton is in a bad place um, at the moment with uh, not having found their game. Uh, and I think it it's a good team to play now after coming back from from a longer break than than usual. But I mean, really looking forward to see the, I mean, the frustration going into great performances from what we saw from before Christmas. So very excited to see what's ahead. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But you know what? That comes to the end of the episode. Listen, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high and we'll, we'll see you next week.